Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Super Bowl is set, and Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines, with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined once again by Eva Toba and Justin Southwell. And guys, the big news this week is that the Big 12 schedule, the New Big 12 schedule with all the new teams will be released this week. However, listeners, viewers, want to give you a heads up. We had some scheduling conflicts this week. We have to record on Monday night. Schedule comes out after we recorded this. So be sure to come back next week and we will give our, our full breakdown schedule prediction a week late. So we apologize for the inconvenience, but we still have a great show, guys. We have, we have some more things to talk about. It's going to be fine. Everything's great. Yeah, and anybody who thought that we had five away games in a row, take a deep breath, all right? That is that is just showing the away opponents. It's not going to be like that. The schedule will come out, and we'll be able to see, you know, when, when we play Colorado on the road. I'm excited about that because that can determine, hey, are we going to make a road trip? Uh, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm excited for it. So we got some stuff to look forward to this offseason, but in the meantime, you know, we just got to ride out with – a little bit more of the current news slash we're a little, maybe a little late on some of this. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to take that road trip to Boulder, Colorado though. So, you know, that can be a thing. Let's make it a, a thing. Uh, don't we play at BYU this year too? I think yeah. So. yeah. I wanna, see, that's, that's the one that I want to go to. I want to just sit in that stadium, take in the views and watch OSU win, you know? No, yeah, I'm just hoping that it's like, not like a late November road trip you know because those are some cold places coach yes. yeah that's a really cool thing about this whole new big 12 is that we get to see new sites new places new faces and uh you know maybe they're all going to be as nice and as friendly as the folks over in the little apple kansas state but uh, yeah i mean definitely just excited about some of these new uh, territories that we've never been to before yeah. so we will have all of our thoughts on the full osu schedule coming up Next week, this week, though, we're going to talk about a coaching change at Oklahoma State. Last week, we went through all of the coaching changes, the craziness that's been going on in college football, and we didn't discuss probably the most important news for Oklahoma State. The new defensive line coach hire, Paul Randolph, joins OSU after spending the last two seasons as a D-line coach at Indiana. He has 26 years of coaching experience, 23 of those coaching D-line Eve, I'm going to go right to you because you have been very critical of our D-line this past season. What do you think of this hire? Here's the way I look at it. At one point, he had a stint at in Lubbock, um, Texas, right? So at Texas, Texas Tech, three seasons, he coached four players to all Big 12 honors. If we can get one or two players on our defensive line to be all Big 12 players, I think it is a job well done. There's something about the point of attack that our team last season, I felt like just for whatever reason, was not able to capitalize on on a consistent basis. I don't know about y'all, but whenever I watched our games, it seemed like we got driven back more times than you would like to see. And really, depending on our linemen or our linebackers, rather, to make the plays. So, you know, I see that and I'm just like, bruh, 
like I would love to get back to the days of a Calvin Barnett or a James James Castle or you know Vincent Taylor, whoever it is. But the thing is, I think that we have that in us. You have the size on our D line. It's just the proper coaching. And hopefully this coach right here, Paul Randolph, is able to, you know, coach up just a low pad level and really getting off and all that. So that's what that's what I'm hopeful for. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about the guy, but uh, listening to the Feels Like 45 podcast, they actually had an episode that came out January 12th. So season eight, episode two. Season eight? You guys are in season eight? Wow. Okay. Uh, episode two. So go check that out. Dustin Ragusa did his homework. They got a great breakdown on all of that. So, I mean, as far as I can tell, based on what they said, I'm excited, right? Anything um, – this, this is just kind of a unique opportunity for Oklahoma State in general with it being a new year, but we're building off of last year. We're not starting over. And then the defensive line, it's one aspect of the defense where maybe we're not completely starting over, but we're tweaking and working off of what we've built from last year. Right. But I like the fact that we have guys like Nick Martin – in that second level that can come up and make tackles. Uh, I think a lot of the D linemen were eating blocks last year. I'd love to see them be able to get more pressure and more penetration, but Hey man, if we got a, a sure tackler back there and Nick Martin, I mean, I, I can't, I can't complain really because I mean, I'm a big fan of Nick Martin. If we can do anything we can to get him more statistics showing like how great of a linebacker he is, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think the run game, of course, is one important aspect of it. But even in the past game, you saw that our secondary last season, I would say, kind of downgraded. We didn't look as good as we did the year before. And I think a big reason for that, of course, is just being able to get consistent pressure whenever you don't have to send an extra man, right? I mean, if you don't have to send a fifth guy. So, you know, you, you leave Colin Oliver out there and three D linemen who are able to get consistent pressure. Like, that's, that's what you need in order to have an effective uh, pass defense. So, you know, all of that is just going to play a big role. So hopefully he is somebody who not only can get you to, um, you know, stop the run effectively, but can also impact the, the the pass game in a big way. So do you think that that's partially because of the scheme being three three five, that these guys maybe aren't as much – they're not able to get deeper because they're taking on double teams and stuff like that? or. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, the, th the scheme has something to do with it. I mean, you have to think, like, 3-3-5, three, three, you still have a standing outside linebacker who who goes out there. Mm -hmm. um, and you're kind of relying on the safety to almost be that third, quote-unquote, linebacker. But you have um, – there's this weird thing in the scheme where you're almost you, – you, you want a lot of spills. You want the linebackers to be the primary tacklers, right, of the ball carriers because of the Big 12 Conference, because there is so much speed within the conference. That's what they look for. But, man, there's a, there's a way to do it. I think Texas did a, a great job at, at uh, you know, utilizing their defensive linemen the right way last season. Surprisingly, Baylor was one of those teams that had a pretty good D-line. So, I don't know, there's, there's a way to do it right. I'm not the football brain behind all this, but, uh, you know, maybe hopefully uh, this coaches. Hopefully. We don't know anything. We're just I, I know nothing. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more on Paul Randolph. As I said, he came from Indiana. Before that, he spent seasons in Lubbock, as Eve said. Other stops include Memphis, Arizona State, 
Pittsburgh, Tulsa, Rice, Bama, West Virginia, Toledo, Illinois State, Valdosta, and UT Martin, which was his alma mater. He also has experience as an associate head coach, defensive coordinator, and associate AD. So when he was at ASU about 10, 12 years ago, he coached five D linemen to all Pac-12 honors in his four years with the program. Um, I was reading an article, I think it was in the Oklahoman today, maybe it was Tulsa World. I'm sorry, I forget which one I should have, I should have made note. Um, just reading up on him a little bit. And they were saying that Gundy was trying to keep um, the Richmond news, you know, moving on from Richmond under wraps to sort of let him find something new before saying, hey, we're moving on. So to kind of like not have him in this limbo is what the article made it seem like. But then all of a sudden we're hiring uh, Randolph. So I think that Gundy saw something that he liked in him. And people who have worked with him said that he brings fire to the program. You don't realize how old he is because I mean, he's not that old. He's in his 50s. But he doesn't come across that way because he has so much energy and is always breaking down his unit. And people who have worked with him just have very positive things to say about him. Um, so I think that's good, a good a good energy. I feel like there were some sometimes last year our defense didn't have that spark, that oomph. I think that was more in our secondary. But if he can kind of bring that energy to his unit. Hopefully that trickles across to the rest of his guys. My man has been around the way. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I, I feel good about that. I feel good that he has seen just about everything, everything and everything in different types of conferences, in different levels of college football and in different roles, right? You talk about not just being a coach, but even being an assistant AD, not just being a D line coach, but also being an assistant head coach. So he's seen college athletics, college football programs, top, bottom, and all the way around. So hopefully that's something that's at the benefit of not just the players, but the program as a whole, because I think that shows a lot of leadership, especially whenever you get to that assistant head coach position. You're right. Yeah, people recognize and they see something inside of you um, from a leadership standpoint. So uh, I hope he brings that to to our defense and, and especially to our D-line room. Yeah, and there's usually talk, you know, organizations and things like that. You'll hear it on podcasts about leading up. And I think he's in a good position there, especially if Nardo's receptive to it, because you got a guy who's got all this experience. He's been, like you said, Eve, he's been all over the place in different conferences, has seen different looks. And like, what a great resource for Nardo just to be able to tap in on a daily basis so that they can work with each other. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Sorry, I'm connecting dots in my head. I was just looking at his Twitter. My one, my one gripe. Coach Randolph, you gotta, you gotta yeah, change, change the Abby, change, change your logo. No, his profile picture is the old O State logo. Like we gotta, gotta change that logo in your profile picture. However, I noticed that D'Amico Ryan's follows him, and now I'm like, did he? Was he at Bama when D'Amico was there? Huh. And that's what I'm. That's a small world. That's so he was at Bama 2003 to 2005. So that would have been the D'Amico Ryan's era yeah well you know what you know you're talking about his youthfulness and uh you know how young this guy is and i just i just went to his twitter account as you were talking about it i'm like my man is over here using the png version of the old logo <laughs> an old 2011 picture of doom pick and stadium as the header or, or not the header but he had that as his profile pic at first and then changed it my, my guy hey we got we, we got to get an intern or something to run your twitter <laughs> account man what are we doing look 
We can't have it all, Eve. I'd rather you have a young spirit out on the field and uh, use PNGs than have an old an old mentality. And uh, I, I don't know, man. That kind of that doesn't instill the greatest recruiting confidence in me. You know, I'm just like if our we're gonna I'm get them. Right. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're there's one thing that I'm confident of is that our digital media team will get a hold of that Twitter account and say, "Bruh, we have got to do something about it." Yeah, Next, you know, brand standards. <laughs> yeah, Brand Sanders right there. Brand Sanders. But I also, I've heard that he's like a decent recruiter as well. So, you oh, know, that's good. I think I think the biggest surprise, the, not the biggest surprise, but just thinking about it, Gundy doesn't make a lot of changes to his coaching staff. You look back after 2022, people were calling for Dickey to be gone and for Casey Dunn to be gone. They remained after we went 7 and 6 and had not not a great year. I mean, so what do you think caused him to make this switch after we go 10 and four, play for a Big 12 championship and win our bowl game? We're not that far away. That's the, I think that's the biggest thing. We are this close. Like We're not that far away. It's just going to take a couple tweaks here and there that I believe are going to propel us to the next level to be Big 12 championships. One of the biggest glaring weaknesses of our team was the defensive line. So I think Gundy recognizes that. And he just says like, hey, here is one area that we definitely just need to tweak. So he goes out. And one thing that I'm always giving Gundy preps props for is he just knows who is out there in the coaching circuit that has what, you know, what he necessarily is looking for. Uh, surprisingly, even on the defense. So he'll go out, he'll find a Jim Knowles, right? So hopefully he's going out and he's finding a Paul Randolph that just has that one missing ingredient that can take us from a C to a B plus, hopefully. Hopefully to an A plus, you know yeah. what I mean? But you know what I mean? Just that one tweak is needed. I don't think there's any A plus defenses in the Big 12 Conference because the Big 12 is so dynamic on offense. Fair, fair. Um, before we move on to an offensive player from Oklahoma State, uh, you were talking about Nick Martin. Nick Martin, Justin, um, and, you know, just the impact that he had on linebacker. Now, obviously, uh, Rudolph is not going to be, or Randolph, excuse me, Randolph is not going to be coaching the linebackers. He is the D-line coach. But I feel like I, in particular, have given a lot of love to Nick Martin this season. And Colin Oliver kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I don't know if, you know, we talked, he had a very good season, but I don't think we really gave him enough credit. And I saw this tweet the other day. Yeah, that's fair. And we haven't we haven't talked about him since. And I just I just closed my Twitter. Gosh darn. Um, but Colin Oliver finished first in the Big Twelve among all Big Twelve defenders for tackles for a loss or no gain last season with twenty. And considering that he went from defensive end to linebacker and he led the linebacker you know led the big 12 okay colin i don't think we gave you enough credit this season hey we've seen more <laughs> we've seen more but it's also like he like he completely changed positions had a had his third had his third defensive coordinator in as many seasons learning a new scheme like we we know what he's capable of but i'm not going to act like he had an off year when you're leading the big 12 in tackles for a loss or no gain yeah no i and you know what i wouldn't call it it's so it's so hard to judge this because 
we all know that Colin Oliver is a good football player. Hell, he's a good outside linebacker. He's a good linebacker. He could probably play stand-up linebacker, and he would be good at it. He's just a good all-around football player. After seeing and getting a taste of what we got a taste of his freshman year, the standard was set. You know what I mean? So whenever you don't get back to that, that's when you're just like, okay, well, there's more to be desired. And that's not to say he had a bad season. It's just that whenever you've seen the ceiling or it's not even the ceiling, like it seemed like that was the floor. The first time that we were exposed to him, the floor was set really, really high. Somehow the floor went down the year two. And now here you are year three. You're like, okay, like it went back up, but the ceiling is still so much higher. So, and I don't even necessarily believe that that is Colin's fault as much as it may be what you just mentioned, Meg, like just a change in coaches and change in different systems. That may be it completely. So hopefully some consistency going into this season will allow us to see a higher level than we saw even freshman year CO. Yeah, that's a good call. And I'm glad that he decided to come back because he has been in different positions with different coaches and um, just to be able to have one year of consistency to see how he can build off of that year. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier, you're not starting fresh, but you get to continue what you've been working up from. And I'm glad that he decided to do that rather than jumping in the transfer portal, right. finding another place and starting fresh for whatever. But yeah, he's, he's definitely, uh, especially nationally, he is very underrated, but I think that that is just going to help us out in the long run. So I'm yeah, excited for what he, he can do. And the thing is football people know who Colin Oliver is. Like if you're talking to the coaching circuit and different scouts and things like that, they know who he is. And I guarantee you, he could have jumped in the transfer portal and had success, you know, at another big time program. So I, get, I bet you if you were to ask Colin Oliver himself, even he would say, oh, yeah, I know. I know that I can do much more than this. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, you know, him proving it. Bottom line, I want nothing but nice things for Colin Oliver and Nick Martin. And I just hope that they become a top linebacking tandem in college football next season. By the way, just I know they're both listed at linebacker, but completely different roles like they. Yeah, wait. We're not getting into semantics right now. Just okay. Like they're both <laughs> listed as linebackers, so that's what we're going with. I understand different roles. Just like let me have this, okay? But last thing I'll say on it is last week, um, Darren Shrum and I sat down with Dave Hunziker, and you know, just talking about his career. Just had recently had his thousandth broadcast, and we got to talk to him about his uh, "Where's That Sooner Magic Now" call from the 2021 Bedlam, which was like Colin Oliver's claim to fame at Oklahoma State. And that's just my story. That just reliving that and watching that again and seeing that play. I don't think I'll ever get tired of that. <laughs> Legendary. Hunziker's so cool, man. Like he, he is a staple in the Oklahoma State family. He's just, he's the best. He has great stories. He's going to, he told me that he was going to um, give me bowling lessons. <laughs> he bowled a 300 a couple weeks yeah. ago. Wow. Yeah. 300? He is a... Avid bowler. All right, we need Hunziker versus Brandon Presley at those at the bowling alley. ASAP. He, 
I think BP was there when he bowled a 300 because that Dave that Dave told me that like BP Rashad, a bunch of the receivers, a bunch of the football guys are big bowlers. Like BP has his own ball. For those who don't know, BP big bowling guy, um, and they were there and they, you know, Dave has like one guy, I don't, I don't know who it was, but one time they were there and they were bowling and one guy, he, the ball was not working. So Dave's like, let me go to my locker and I will get you a bowling ball. And he goes into his locker and just whips out one of his six bowling balls that he has on rotation to, uh, wow. to, to share with this player and the player improved after that. So <laughs> I love it. yeah, but that just, you know, just Colin Oliver's came to fame, bringing it back to football. And uh, that that amazing call by by Dave there. <laughs> well, Garth Still, you commented on our last episode. Your name for future head coach after he's done being an OC in the NFL is Zach Robinson, and we are going to have to wait until at at least at least one more year. Not that we're replacing our head coach this season, but. Zach Robinson was named the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons under the new Raheem Morris regime. So I don't know what's going to take to get him back here. If we'll ever, ever get back here, but he had been the quarterback coach in the passing game corner for the Rams the last two years, spent his entire career with the Rams in Atlanta. He's going to get to work with guys like Bijan Robinson, Tyler, Tyler Algier, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Jonu Smith all under contract for 2024. No, you absolutely love to see that. That's our that's our quarterback. Whenever we first got there, Justin, that was our quarterback. So it's, it's dope to see that he is getting this opportunity and the type of offense that he runs, uh, well, at, at least the type of offense that the Los Angeles Rams ran is probably one of the ones that is the most high in demand. You talk about the zone and outside zone run scheme, Kyle Shanahan, that comes from that, you know, the Shanahan tree. But I think that the Rams added even an extra little oomph to it that's very specific to the type of talent that's around them and is honestly very quarterback friendly. So, you know, in Atlanta, they don't necessarily know who their next quarterback is going to be. Is it going to be the, the guy that they had last year? Is it going to be Russell Wilson? Is he going to get traded there? Is it, you know, it could be anybody. But there's a there's a great sell for this type of offense down in Atlanta. Yeah, Eve, it's a, a little bit of a different dynamic for me, I guess, because whenever I was in high school, this is the guy I was looking up to because I was a fan of Oklahoma State. I was a fan of Zach Robinson, and then I go walk on at OSU, and he's my teammate, but I'm still very much holding him and like, dude, you're kind of like my hero right now, so I can't. Like chatted up with you like I can with, you know, Eve Toba, Christian Schroeder, whatever. So I always just kind of, I always kind of like admired him from a distance, you know, I was like, man, I can't believe this guy's on my team. Wait, he's on my team. I'm on his team. So uh, I'm, it's just crazy to see like how far he's come since that time. Of course, I was very excited for him whenever he got drafted. I'll be in the seventh round. He got to go play quarterback with uh, Tom Brady in New England. <laughs> how many people can say that? That's pretty cool. Um, but he also had the experience up there and uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and Detroit Lions. And then uh, he had a pretty long run, I think, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And yeah, just to be able to, you know, first of all, stay in the NFL for as long as he did. That's a huge accomplishment. And then on top of that, to be able to leverage that into, you know, he, he's been taking notes, right? He knows the game. 
He knows how to coordinate a game now uh, and coordinate a team and call games. And he's leveraged that into a high position. And it's just so cool because, you know, he's, he's out there living a lot of guys' dreams. He's out there going and he's doing it. And so for that reason, very proud for him. Uh, and I'm excited to see what Atlanta can turn into with him calling plays and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, what they say you're in a, uh, you're, you're constantly in a job interview in that kind of position because whatever you do is going to be under the microscope and people are going to, you know, either want you or, or not want you moving forward based on what you do now. And I know that a lot of guys, uh, especially would love to see anybody with Oklahoma state ties come on back home and, I'd be down for that at this point, you know, I, I would definitely be open to that. Whereas maybe even last year or, or the year before I would have been a little bit more kind of in the gray on it. Like, I'm not so sure. Like, does he have the experience? I understand wanting to bring him back because of everything that he did and accomplished at Oklahoma state, but can he coach? Is he the right fit for the job? And I think now we're starting to see, yeah, uh, this guy is, he's the guy for the job. So hopefully that success continues and he makes his way over to Stillwater whenever that time may come. Still in the gray, definitely still in the gray because we haven't seen him as an offensive coordinator yet. I mean, you know, he was, you know, past game coordinators is much different whenever you have the responsibility of the entire offense. I think especially with a guy like B. John Robinson, who we see how talented he is. I think Zach also had a little stint there before he got hired by the LA Rams where he was running a, like a private quarterback training thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I think he can get it done when it comes to the pass game. I think he can get it done when it comes to coaching the individual position. Now we get to see him put it all together with run schemes and with blocking schemes and with running backs. Um, You know, I talked about how this is an easy sell. It's becoming one of the most popular types of offensive schemes in the NFL. And if I can, if I just nerd out for a little bit, right. So say this, this is why it's such a good scale or good sell, I should say. So like if you have, let's say 60 plays, in one game on offense, right? He's out there with Bijan Robinson and company. Out of those 60 plays, you probably want 35 of those to be run plays, right? So over half. So 35 run plays. And then the other 25, you want those to be passing plays. But out of that 25, you would probably want 15 of them to be pass plays that are either out of play action, that are scripted, either coming out of the second half, coming out of the game, or that are just high percentage throwing plays. And then the other 10, that's when you're asking your quarterback to be, you know, you're asking him to make really big time NFL throws. And probably three to four of those plays, you're asking him to make like a really tough throw, right? Like left hash mark to the right sideline, 25 yards up the field, something like that. So that's why it's such a desirable thing, especially from a run game, right? You talk about 35 runs, you would ideally like so for example kyle shanahan he will run one run play with nine different looks and you're just like how are they continuing to get five six ten yards off of this one run play because he'll go out there and the tight end will line up and he'll block to the outside and then the next time he'll block to the inside 
And then the next time he'll double team him with the tackle and they'll block him. And then the next time after that, he'll motion the receiver. And then the time after that, he'll motion the inside receiver to go the opposite direction. But it's all the same run play and it confuses the defender into thinking, okay, could they be doing something different? But it's just the same thing, nine different looks. So that's the type of stuff that you really, really like because it's low pressure almost for your uh, for your running back. Or sorry, low pressure for your quarterback. But you want uh, offensive linemen, of course, who are, one, very cerebral, who have great lateral movement, and who are also really physical at the point of attack. So that's the type of stuff that we're going to hopefully get to see from Zach Robinson. And that's what, you know, that's what gets me fired up. Kind of the opposite of what we saw from Todd Monk in, in the AFC Championship game. Do you want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about what Tom Monken in the AFC Championship game? Because the stuff that I was reading on the Twitter was uh, not not great. Not not too great. <laughs> uh, you know I have a huge affinity for Tom Monken now. I know. I know. Yes. Uh, pokes in the playoffs, guys. We'll start with Tom Monken. Not was it not a great offensive play calling day? Was it that the Ravens just kind of imploded and Lamar did not perform at his MVP caliber? You know, I think like if you look at justice Hill, yeah, he had three carries for three yards. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. And at, at some point, I believe his first carry like went for some pretty good yardage, too. And then he you know, he lost a couple of them. But, yeah, I mean, that was a tough thing. I was a little bit confused as I was watching it because I remember the week before, as they were playing the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City was letting Josh Allen just kind of run around. And he was having their way when it, when, when it came to like design run plays. And as we know, Lamar is a better athlete. But. In that second half, you were just like, why are we just asking Lamar to just drop back and make all these throws when, you know, you know he can do more with design run plays especially. But I'm not going to be somebody that questions the mind of a Todd Munkin. I mean, you know, there's some there's some head scratchers in there. But, again, I don't see the full picture the way that he sees the full picture. So I'm just like, bro, better luck next year. I mean, yeah, couldn't be me. I'm not going to question it. I mean, props to KC for sure. But I think the Ravens had a shot to win that game. All they had to do is, you know, protect the ball. They turned it over. Lamar threw an interception, and then we saw that uh, fumble recovery uh, at the goal line. And um, other than that, I think they're in that game. Now there's, like, people are talking about, oh, man, you should be running the ball. But like you said, Meg, like, I mean, Justice Hill wasn't necessarily – creasing that defense and then you obviously want to put the hands you want to put the ball in the hands of your best playmaker and that's lamar jackson gus edwards and, though. yeah gus edwards he gus edwards was getting some yards on the ground that's the part where i was like, okay so well, is, is that because of lamar based on what he was doing like i feel like in that case you're almost like you're working the pass to set up the run and we had a little bit of success there but still i mean you got to it's Lamar Jackson. This is his opportunity to, to shine. And I think that, you know, he didn't exactly live up to that MVP level. And I love he, Lamar. I'm just saying like, he didn't, he didn't come through. All right. Hold on. Wait a minute. Eve, how many yards do you think Gus Edwards had yesterday? You better not have that box score up in front of you. No, I don't. I, I would say probably in the thirties. 20. Okay. Yeah. Which, but how many carries did he have? Um, he had three. So three carries. Uh, so he's averaging more than what five yards per carry. He's, he's averaging just under seven yards per carry. I'm saying, why do we abandon that? 
you know, three cares right. for him and three cares for the other guy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like he know. had a long, he had a long of 15. So he had a 15 yard run and then, you know, um, the other two go for about five. Yeah. So as Justin said, it's almost as if you were setting up the run with the pass. The only problem is you never actually handed it off. <laughs> so what are we, what are we doing there? Wow. So, you know, that's, yeah, that, that was just a little confusing. Well, Todd Munkin, these guys still love you. I don't, I don't know you. So, you know, and I'm going to support you because they speak highly of you, but you still have a fan in Justin and Eve and you guys. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It is what it is. And I still, I back it up. I think that, I still think that you want to, you keep the the bar in Lamar's hands, right? I mean, am I crazy to think that? Like, I feel like these are maybe not the best called game in the world, but still they had the opportunity to win the game without the turnovers. Yeah, no, there were plenty of times where I thought to myself, Lamar, why don't you just take off and run right there? You know, there was one play in particular where he had the ball for like seven seconds and he just kept looking and nobody was getting open. And I was just like, yo. Do you remember that uh, you're the fastest guy out here? You know, but again, I'm not Lamar Jackson either, so I'm not going to be the person that criticizes these guys. He's the MVP for a reason. But yeah, true. The only thing that sucks the most is that like the teams that had the most Oklahoma State players on them lost. Yeah. Well, what, yes, facts. Uh, but I was going to have one other note about about the Ravens, and we're only talking about the Ravens because they have a lot of they have three OSU people and Tylen Wallace, Justice Hill. And uh, Todd Munkin. But to me, the game changer was not the play calling. It was that the Ravens had five 15-yard penalties and finished with eight penalties for 95 yards. So those are those hidden yards that Gundy talks about, right? That's that, true. Can, that can make a difference. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a killer. On the bright side. We get to see Taylor Swift with the opportunity to win a Super Bowl, her first year in the NFL. So Taylor Swift did give not her rookie of the year, <laughs> rookie of the year, baby. We're not we going to get, get her in Boone Pickens Stadium suite. We need that. I'm going to get. But good luck. She did Swift. Not do anything to contribute to the Chiefs getting there, um, and yeah, but no, I was going to say. Although the Lions didn't win, shout out to Malcolm Rodriguez picking off Brock Purdy for the second time in his career. The first came back in 2019 up in one of our favorite places to play, Ames, Iowa. Game was tied. Rodriguez with a pick six that would ultimately be the game-winning touchdown to beat Purdy and the Cyclones. So that was that was exciting to see for, for Malcolm to get that, get that pick yesterday especially because he hasn't been a starter this season the guy who i forget who he came in for but he's been filling in for an injured teammate and look at you look at you malcolm look at you go a lot of big time plays and big time players from the big 12 conference love to see both starting quarterbacks in the super bowl are going to be from the big 12 conference so if anybody is out there and you are a five-star quarterback just remember you can come to the big 12 specifically to oklahoma state university if you want to someday play in the super bowl because you know, you can also be a wide receiver because wide receiver Tay Martin will be in the Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. So Oklahoma State still represented, and that's why we're all Niners fans on February 11th. Are we? I don't know about that. Yeah, I am a Niners fan on February 11th. Meg, don't speak for us. 
This is a collective where I am making the executive decision that we are all Niners fans. You guys are just bandwagoners. I don't even want to hear it. So you don't, I don't, your chance of the Chiefs doesn't count. Because I root for one team and one team only, and that is Oklahoma State. Right. So you're just going to hop on whatever train is coming through the station. <laughs> what that's, about? that's how trains work. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing? What, am I trying to go anywhere? Yeah, I got to hop on the train. We're going to just sit there at the, at the train station. <laughs> Come on, Meg. But I'm saying you just hop on. Oh, this is the first one. I'm going to get on the front runner. Why don't you go for someone else, huh? It's thoroughly thought out. We're not just hopping on any first one and everything. I will say, though, like one of my favorite things to do in the NFL is just follow a great storyline. I love storylines sometimes even more so than the games itself. So my favorite storyline in all of 2023 has been this whole Taylor Swift debacle thing. And I just hope that Taylor and Travis get married, have a bunch of babies, and grow old together and just make the world a better place through real and genuine love. Starting with uh, them winning the Super Bowl and Travis proposing while Taylor is dressed in confetti. And anybody that's opposed to that, I feel like they're soulless. You know what I mean? Like, why do you not have a soul if you're opposed <laughs> to real love? Are you attacking me, Eve? Not if you're opposed to it. Hey, if that shoe fits. I, no, I'm going to make something very clear. I have no problem with your relationship. Go for it, guys. Happy you found love. I hope this lasts. We shall see. I don't know, you know? But I just, I don't care about any celebrity that much. I don't. Like, I don't care. Name any celebrity, and I don't need an ISO of them. I don't need a cutaway shot. I don't need to see the reactions. It's not about them. She has not done a single thing. I want to see the players. I want to see the games. Yo, so funny thing. I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eve. I was just going to say, I am like the least celeb gossip person ever. Like, I do not care about celebrity gossip. Me either. You know how everybody talks about the impact that Taylor Swift has had on the NFL? It's been the exact opposite for me. Never cared about celebrity gossip. I never even cared what Taylor Swift was doing in the past until this whole Travis Kelsey thing happened. And now I'm like, yo, I am rooting for this Taylor Swift thing. Okay, why do you care? Why do you care so much? I think because it's been shoved in my face so much to the point where I'm just like, I just, I accept it and I root for it. And I think the first the first point of intrigue for me was, you know, I'm really interested in the business of sports in general. So you know, seeing the viewership and seeing how many people came over and now realizing that $331 million of marketing value has come to the NFL as a result of Taylor Swift uh, dating Travis Kelsey has been just really, really interesting to me. But so that's how it first started. It was just the business of it. And now I'm in it for love. I'm rooting for love. I'm just saying if there was a sweepstakes where I could win a weekend getaway with Taylor Swift or a weekend getaway with Kylie Kelsey. I'm rolling with Kylie Kelsey a hundred percent of the time. You, I mean, that's Kylie seems great too. Yeah. That's just, I don't understand this hypothetical scenario here, but I'm just saying like, I just, I, I just, do you I, hate Taylor Swift, Meg? I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'll never understand the hate. I'll never. Kelsey. It. I just, I don't understand people's obsession with celebrities the way that they're obsessed with Taylor Swift or Beyonce and her beehive and all like, I, I genuinely 
don't understand because I don't idolize celebrities in that way. Yeah, there's celebrities I like, and yeah, I have my favorite athletes for sure, but not to the point where I am. Is there am anybody that you would ever be starstruck by? Um, I, I genuinely, I think the only person or one of the few people that I'd be starstruck by would be Tom Brady. Interesting. I've thought about this question a bunch. And because, Jeff, I'm interested to hear your your question, your answer as well. But I've thought about it. I thought about it for years, actually. And I think that there, if there was one person that I think that I would legitimately be starstruck by if I saw, like if I met, it would probably be Michael Jordan. Hmm. Yeah. Even though I think LeBron is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan has this mystery about him. Right. So that's why I'm just like. There's a whole documentary on him. <laughs> yeah. But there, yeah. And, and even that documentary, it's like he controlled the entire narrative of that. But there's a real there's there's not that much accessibility accessibility to it, and anybody like I even heard Dez talking about the first time that he met Jordan on an elevator during NBA All Star Weekend or something, and he talks about how like uh, he was in awe. He was like he felt like he met God, <laughs> whatever he said. And I was just like, man, that's crazy. Like I, I and as I was listening to that, I was like, yeah, I feel like I would I would feel that awe if I met Jordan as well. Mm-hmm. Justin, who would it be for you? That's really tough. I might have to come back like next week and give you guys an answer gotcha. because I don't, I get it. I, I understand like more, I guess, Meg, than what you're thinking of like the fandom and stuff. I, I understand that side of it. Like, um, I get that. Just that, just the fact that, oh my gosh, this is somebody that I've seen on TV who I idolize and all this stuff. And like they're right there. And, like something that seems like almost a dream is all of a sudden tangible. And anyway, for me, I I don't necessarily know who it would be because I've been fortunate enough to meet some of these people like Barry Sanders, for example, I got to meet Barry Sanders and I would have thought meeting Barry Sanders, I would just be like in awe, not know what to say, shaking, super nervous. And it just, didn't turn out to be that way just because of just maybe people. his, he, yeah, that's what it, that's really what it comes down to. They're just people. Um, and while they are not quite like you and I, they kind of are. So, at, you know, at the heart of the situation they are. And I, I feel like whenever, uh, I guess just the, the empathy aspect of it, if you want to call it that, if you, if you're in that person's shoes, how would you want somebody to treat you? And, I would just want them to treat me like a, a normal person, like a normal human being, have a normal conversation with me instead of, you know, gawking over me and thinking I'm, you know, on some pedestal or whatever. But anyway, um, I guess for me, it would probably be, I, it's so hard for me to say that. Cause I'm like, you know, maybe Tom Brady, like you said, Meg, I was a big Tom Brady fan. You were this, this close to Tom Brady. That's true. Yeah. In uh, 2019 in Miami. Yeah. So even in that case, like I was still, I was like, yo, Tom, you know, yo, but he, he didn't hear me, but I would have been able to, I think, have a composed conversation with him. Like, dude, admire your game, all this stuff, whatever. Let me know if you need a receiver because you know, Wes Welker, Edmund, they're all gone. I can, I'll step back in. I can't run a 10 K, but I can help you out on the, on the field. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I would have to, I'd have to come back and, and, maybe find somebody just so big. Michael Jordan might fit that shoe. Um, 
but unintended. Yeah, exactly. But I will say, yeah, like you mentioned, the $331.5 million equivalent brand value that Taylor Swift has given to the Chiefs this year and the NFL. It, of course, it makes sense to have her on camera as much as possible. Maybe not as much as possible. I think it could be a lot worse. I feel like they could just have a separate camera live feed for the whole game and people would tune into that. Not me, but I feel like there are some crazy fans out there who would love to see something like that. Justin, um, I, I, I was your roommate. Right, We were roommates for a while. Before you were married to the Sheridan Southwell, you had a big old crush on Taylor Swift. What What is it? What, what is the intrigue? you know, towards, towards Taylor Swift. Could you, could you give us a deep dive here? <laughs> I think, yeah, just part of it. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just like, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just liked her. I don't know. It's like, why does Matthew McConaughey drive a Lincoln? He just likes it. There's no explanation. So it's just kind of, you know, there are the way girl, all the, there's some, yeah, there's some attributes about her. I mean, the town at Notre Dame, her brother attended the university of Notre Dame. And there was one day she was visiting campus and I promise everything just shut down. Like everybody wanted to know where she was at. They wanted to find Taylor Swift. Like it was the craziest thing ever. So I don't really understand it. Kind of like Meg, you know, celebrity in itself is a very interesting thing to study, but Hey, $331 million. But like, think about whenever the, the peak of Michael Jackson and people were like thousands of people were hanging out outside his hotel. Painting. Imagine, yeah. yeah, imagine if he were a fan of, I don't know, the San Francisco 49ers. Don't you think that, yeah, we're going to have like as many cameras as we can on Michael Jackson? Same no. thing. I don't what? because I think celebrities are, celebrities are at games all the time like all the time people are at games where was it the national championship it was a national championship i forget everyone who was in like Stephen a's box but that box had like everyone in it there were rappers in it wasn't like travis scott in there or something i don't even remember yeah it's not even so much that they're celebrities it's it's not because taylor swift is a celebrity right because you have celebrities show up to it's NFL it's such a big name but like well not even because it's such a big name right i mean of course yeah the name matters the timing matters because the era tour is happening but i think even more importantly she's dating one of the players right yes yes and i think that that's part of it but first of all i want to make something very clear i understand that taylor swift does not control the cameras I understand all of that. So my my uh, disdain is not directed towards her. Granted, I don't I don't like her. I don't like her. Don't but she, but she's not she's not controlling the cameras, and I understand all of that. But I was literally having this conversation with my mom earlier tonight because, and I understand the superstar that is Taylor Swift. She is not the same as you know. Um, Sydney Warner, who is who is Fred Warner's wife, or Kristen Yuschek, or you know Claire Claire Kittle, or, but like Olivia Culpo is one of the biggest supermodels in the world, and she is engaged to Christian McCaffrey, and they don't get cutaways to Olivia Culpo every single time that McCaffrey scores, which is a lot. Supermodels are different. Like music is a universal language, right? But like I, I but I all, I mean, good point. Yeah, but like that's a huge name. Giselle Bunchen was there. They do cutaways to her, but it's not the same. Yeah. You're not showing her walking into the stadium. You're not. And that's just like, why does the like, and yes, I understand the business side and generating the money, 
but I just, I don't understand like, yes, she's dating a player, but she's not the only superstar to ever have dated a football player or a professional athlete of any kind. And I just, I, I just, I will never understand people's obsession with anybody, not just Taylor Swift, but like, I, why I, I do not get it. I don't get it. Hey, I'll tell you what, I think she's a genuine girl who is just out here looking for love. She seems very endearing. Whenever I see her, I'm just like, she seems, you know, just really nice. And uh, I feel like I'd be friends with her if I met her. So I'm like, I'm rooting for it. You know, I don't have the vitriol in my heart like uh, like Meg does. I don't know. I don't know if you I think, think she's fake. I, and think it's I feel the opposite. Like, seems extremely, extremely genuine. Whenever I see her, just of the little bit that I've been exposed to her this year, because I never really paid attention before this. I don't know. Hey. I don't get it. And again, it's you could put Beyonce. Hey, this is turning into something completely different. We're, <laughs> gonna, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because I don't have I don't want to bore everybody with my hot takes on Taylor Swift. But again, it's not her. I understand she doesn't control the cameras. It's the NFL. Tay Martin representing the Oklahoma State Cowboys in the Super Bowl. So we're all or yeah, we're all we're all Niners fans next week, and that's just, fan. <laughs> we're just all gonna cheer that maybe Tay. Tay makes a play. And guys, remember next Tay week. Swift. Tay Swift. <laughs> I hate you both. Yay, yay. Uh, next week, first of all, thank you for bearing with us on this very unnecessary tangent that Eve took us on because he started this conversation and I'm not going to sit idly by while he defends her. Um, but uh, yeah, next week, our full 2024 schedule breakdown. Be sure to come back for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online on behalf of Justin and Eve. I'm Meg. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Taylor Swift and go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.